Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Navigation system. Please say a command. On. Ignition. Powered. Seatbelts. Fastened. Shift. Drive. Twin City sports fans, hold on tight. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, this is The Ride with Royce. He's going the Well, what happens if the guy from Washington comes here and he's a dud? Ed, you want to know? You you say conjecture. We call it... Reckless speculation. They could definitely win with Cousins because of what he's proven over the last three years. Now, it's all about whether he could take you to that next level. Right, right. Because there's a lot of good good questions in that that phone call. But I wouldn't... And we are going to recklessly speculate on all of them, I wouldn't put Keenum entirely (laughs) out of the conversation, though, because they can't franchise tag him and keep him for For sure. Yep. You know what? I've seen some... You know, I've seen some horrific photos in my day of people being slaughtered and... You know, bad, you know, horses breaking down and getting shot on the track and stuff and stuff like that. But uh, my morning colleagues, Mackie and Judd, it is only 48 hours after the Super Bowl ended, and we have slaughtered the Viking spec quarterback speculation, most gruesome beating I've ever... It's like Joe Pesci... Kicking the guy to death in Goodfellas. And now, once again, it's time for Mackie and Judd to check the pulse of a dead horse. (laughs) Oh, my God. I talked to Harrigan today, and he's going to bring back the dead horse. (laughs) The bring back the dead horse. And the boys are unapologetic about it. Uh, Kirk Cousins, I, I turned him on today of 9.52, right? Something 9.50. And I said, I wonder what the boys would be talking about. Cousins uh, is tight. I think the topic at the time is Cousins an upgrade on Bridgewater. If Bridgewater is healthy. That was the topic. And they brought in Collar today to contribute to the three-way conversation about who the quarterback should be. I, and we're never going to stop until they make their decision and sign one of them. I agree that it is the biggest talking point is who's going to play quarterback, quarterback next yes. year for the Vikings. Yes. But, but my <laughs> God in heaven, the Super Bowl just ended Sunday. But it is conversation. God love us. 
that leads us nowhere because we have no idea. No, nobody no. does. My, my friend Sansevier, uh, Bob Sansevier. What does he want? I like him. His column in the St. Paul paper, Monday morning, forget everything else. It's time for the Vikings to go get Nick Foles. Yep, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. So we so now we can take now we can send out now we can send out questionnaires, right? Because that's the speculation now with the uh, what's the Eagles. what's the, what's the Eagles guide? You know what? Next Joe DiFilippo or whatever his name is. I think I got my Thursday column. Here we go. Carson Wentz is obviously going to be available. He's expendable. Yes. Go get Carson Wentz. They could like get it. the Eagles. <laughs> I've been. T- I, I jokingly told a buddy of mine the other day the Eagles could get a king's ransom for, for Carson, Carson Wentz. Wentz right now. They Let's just won the Super Bowl with Foles. Let's pay it. You know, it's Viking territory. Bismarck. Oh, right? think about that. Yeah. He'd yeah. be Prime the king Viking of town. I think, yeah. The, the Vikings it. should just trade their entire 2018 uh-huh. draft to the Eagles. I wait, think, wait, I think the all-timer, though, the, the best <laughs> ever was Mackey a couple of days ago. Now, I think he admitted there's regular speculation, but he thinks we should keep our quarterback situation, uh, what should I say, liquid enough. That we can get Aaron Rodgers in two years and why be not? disgusted why with not? the Packers. Hey, why that's, not? That's foul. So it worked out the last time we got a former Packer so quarterback. So if we go get Carson Wentz, yep. And the good thing is, you got him for three more years, right? Mm-hmm. Right at the time Rodgers becomes available. Wait right? a minute, no, you guys. <laughs> hey, hold on. You guys are thinking too small here. Yeah, okay. You were just talking at the end of sports talk, and you made this declaration yesterday that you think Belichick is done. What if? What if? Belichick goes into Kraft's office and said, "Listen, here's the deal. It's Brady or me. We go get Brady." That is true. How about and that? He's going to play till yeah. he's forty-five, and we got five more years got of the best quarterback of Tom all Brady, time. That's right. Let's let's go here. Come on, we can uh, we can do this. But uh, but I love how a week ago they were all in on Drew Brees. We're, we Drew, got you. Well, what happened? You, you got to make the phone we, call. For, yeah, that's right. I think we still got to make the well, phone call. Well, but here's the thing: he came out since then and said he wants to finish his career in yeah, New Orleans. But you, you still, still got to make the phone call. You still got to make the phone call. One year, you know, two years, thirty million a year. Oh my God! Who are we gonna have to release to, on that defense to go? Uh, uh, well, they do have a bit of cap room. They've got about sixty, 60 in cap. Million, yeah. But if you give Drew thirty, yep, and then you keep, you, then you got to uh, keep Teddy as the next replacement, and you give it. I don't know. You know, I think we can get Drew, and we can get Nick Foles as the backup. <laughs> And, then and we can Teddy, get Teddy in the way. Teddy's contract's going to roll over that's in the next right, year, so Teddy can right. be the third guy. I think we can have all three of them. And hey, honest to God, what if Sam looks healthy? They got to bring him back. <laughs> that's right. You already you surrendered a first round pick to Wait bring him in the first place. Wait a minute. I got the perfect solution. Drew Brees. Okay, I like him. Then you bring back Bradford. And Teddy, yes. so those are your three quarterbacks. Yes. And Nick Foles has already shown that he can be a wide receiver. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Nick Foles can be your special wildcat hurt. wide receiver. And if three guys get hurt, he can be your quarterback. That's hey, right. Speaking of that, did you guys see the Butterfingers ad? No. The Butterfingers ad, or it was a tweet Is that a had a picture. Brady? It had a picture of Brady <laughs> dropping the ball and said, "Way to respect the brand." You know, <laughs> anytime one of those plays doesn't work. I always, I never blame the the non-position player for dropping the ball. 
right? Mm-hmm. Right. This is not like his job. When we missed, when didn't New Orleans miss a pass when a guy was yeah, wide Kamara open? Oh, yeah, Kamara was Willie wide Sneed, open. Yeah. Willie Sneed yeah. overthrew yeah, Kamara. Because you got yeah. Willie Sneed throwing the ball instead of Drew Brees. Then <laughs> yeah. you got Tom Brady catching the ball instead of somebody who's supposed if to Am- catch Am- the ball. A better throw from Amendola, Brady would have caught it, yeah. Yes, but, I mean, okay. Oh, he missed a wide open receiver. Yes, he missed a wide open Kamara because he wasn't the quarterback. That's right. why. But keep it going, boys. It's wonderful. You got four hours. You should just say ahead of time, 10 to 11 is going to be devoted to Kirk Cousins. Yes. Conversation. The Kirk Cousins hour. Kirk Cousins hour. Cousins. I got to get those guys to give me a list of their options here because I get confused. There's seven or eight of them. And uh, Nick Foles has got to get into the kind. Got to add him to the mix. Yeah, yeah we do. Really uh, Pat, do. I'm here during show prep for those guys, and uh, I think they devo- devote at least 30 minutes every morning to which topics will really set Roycey off. Oh yeah, <laughs> good work, boys. I'm pretty sure this is all planned. Good for work, your benefit. boys. That will, that will become a dedicated segment <laughs> yes, now. Yes, that's true. The tick off Roycey segment, and then the other 30 minutes. How can we humiliate Reavers yep. even further? Yep. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, Tom Van Heron will uh, join us uh, when we get back. He is the ESPN college football recruiting expert. And there's a lot of topics on college football, including the fact signing day is no longer a big deal because we signed him in December. Uh, so uh, looking forward to that conversation. Tom Van Heron covers uh, college football recruiting for ESPN, and this time around, February signing day is a bit anticlimactic, I would say, huh, sir? <laughs> yeah, it, it's uh, it's always an interesting uh, an interesting couple days leading up to signing day. There's uh, there's just you never really know what's going to happen. Um, you know, you're, you're following the moves of, of high school prospects. Anything can, can happen. So it's, uh, it's going to be an interesting couple of days. It's been an interesting couple of days to get to this point. Um, I think there's still, despite that early signing period, I think there's still left that, a lot left that we can see happen. So, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to see how that early signing period impacted everything and, and, and what actually transpires tomorrow. Hey, Tom, uh, what percentage of kids signed early? It seemed like well over half of the threes, yeah. fours, and fives anyway. Yeah, from our numbers, what we looked at was uh, we've got the ESPN 300, so it's the top yeah. 300 prospects in the country, and 221 of them signed wow. in the early signing period back in December, leaving 79 uh, unsigned prospects. And there's actually, I believe, the number right now of just uncommitted prospects. So. Uh, some of the guys who are committed but not signed, they're not counted in this. Just the uncommitted guys, I believe there's about 42 uncommitted prospects right now. Those... So the the pool has, has definitely lessened. It's, um, it, there, there's obviously a lot less prospects available for coaches to go after uh, during this signing period. So uh, those 79 are probably uh, getting a whole lot of invitations to visit since December, huh? <laughs> Yeah, I can o- I, I can only hope that they had the unlimited cell phone package because their, <laughs> their phones had to have been off the hook these past couple of weeks, and we've seen it. We've seen a lot of a lot of schools try to get in the mix. You know, the the microscope it, it has been magnified on these prospects that that are left that are unsigned because a lot of teams really only have a couple spots left, maybe four or five spots left, 
and, and the rest of their class is signed. Where in the past, you still had to kind of babysit some of those guys who were committed. You, the head coach still had to go out and do his in-home visits sure. with those prospects. And, and you had to make sure that nobody was trying to steal them away from you. Well, this year, those guys are signed. It can't happen. So you've got way more time for the, the assistants and the head coaches to go out and, and really look at, at the best prospects available, the best guys left in this class that they could go after. So the, the ones that are left are having a ton, a ton of attention on them. Uh, luckily for them, we're in a dead period now, so no more, no more in-person contact, no more in-home visits for them. Uh, now it's just themselves and their families and trying to figure out where they're going to head. Tom, I'm not exactly a aficionado of this, but it seemed to me in December we had a, le- a, lot, a lot less guys changing their mind the last two, three days uh, before the signing date. It seemed like if you had them locked up uh, the last week, you were going to get them. There was going to be a decommitment or a flip last year. You, know, you didn't really have to do it back in December because you still had time. And then other, other schools would come in January and try to recruit yeah. them, and then maybe – down to the wire of that signing day last year, then they'd start to get some cold feet, and then they'd flip, and then they'd decommit. Whereas this year, a lot of it happened closer to the early signing period. Any any indifference or indecisiveness, that was kind of weeded out with that early signing period. So a lot of the guys that left that were left this time around, they either signed in December or they had already decommitted and were open in January. And I actually looked at this from – the last class and then this class, because I was interested in these numbers. So in the 2017 class last year, from December 30th to January 20th, we saw 172 decommitments and flips just between December 30th and January 20th. This year, we saw 27 during the same time period, so almost 150 less from the end of December through uh, basically almost the end of January. Uh, that number is staggering to me just at how much uh, of the circus was eliminated in January from uh, from that early signing period. So in, in that regard, I think it's it's probably it probably has a lot to do with with the kids that signed and then the, the decisions that some of the kids made not to sign. Uh, until now. What was the goal here? Is there some thought it might help the secondary programs like Minnesota because those kids take the offer uh, in December rather than waiting around and see if somebody better is going to give them a call? Yeah, I, you know, I, I think it, it had a lot to do with the, the student-athletes and the prospects and, and just trying to make the experience better for them because you, you look at what these prospects go through. We joked about them having a having unlimited cell phone packages, but I always I always tell people to give you a visual of what it looks like for a recruit. If there's a highly sought-after kid or even a, you know, a, a prospect who's just got a bunch of schools after him, if he's got five schools that he's really considering, he's probably got four coaches at each school talking to him or trying to recruit him or in contact with him at each school. And then from those five schools he's considering, he's probably got ten reporters trying to call him from each of those schools. So you've got almost 70 people now for a kid that's trying to just decide between five schools, about 70 people that are trying to talk to this kid and figure out where he's going, trying to recruit him, trying to get an interview, all this and that. So the prospects that really just want to get the thing over with and have all that stop, it really benefited them. The guy who, who knew he knew where he was going, didn't want to change his mind, uh, I think it benefits them. And then you mentioned Minnesota, a team like that. I think 100% this early signing period benefits a team like Minnesota because 
in the past, you know, they'd work and and maybe even some other schools on on that level, um, they'd work and work and try to sign their prospects or get their prospects to commit. And then once they were committed, it was almost as though they were doing even more work to keep them committed. The process wasn't over for them once they got them to commit. So now you look at at a a class like Minnesota has, and and really all but one kid is signed. So the the recruiting that P.J. Fleck and his staff have done in the month of January, not only is it going to help with this current class, but they're getting ahead into the 2019 class, the 2020 class. They're able to go out to schools and, and, and evaluate some of the prospects in the next class, which in turn is probably going to make their, their recruiting in the future better as well. So if we see uh, a similar process and a similar result from early signing periods in the next couple of years, I think uh, a school like Minnesota could have the opportunity to field a, a better team just because they're not in danger of uh, some of the top programs coming in and poaching some of their prospects late. Uh, and, of course, Saban doesn't like it because he wants to uh, be able to see if there's if he if he loses a four-star, he wants to be able to go get another one 48 hours before the signing date. So, I, although right. I, don't, well, I don't think I'll ever feel sorry for him. When you're on the top of the food chain, you can kind of dictate what, what happens, right? So, yeah, that's exactly right. And, and you know, I, I've talked to a few coaches who, before the early signing period, were, were hesitant about how it was going to go. Uh, they weren't sure if they liked it or didn't like it because it was really a lot. Of, it, it was a lot for them. They were basically cramming in six weeks of recruiting into two uh, at the end of December. So they weren't really sure how they'd like it. But then now in January, I've reached out to some of the same people. And now that we've been through what January is like for them and how it slowed down and the pace of it is much different than, than the past. I think a lot of them have changed their tune, and I think a lot of coaches now are in favor of it. They like the way that January plays out for them where it's not as crazy, not as hectic, uh, and they've got a lot less prospects to really chase after and and try to sign. Tom, uh, you're ESPN Top 300. Uh, All fives and fours, or do some threes sneak onto that list too? Uh, typically, it's just five and four stars. Um, the four stars usually go past the 300, so there, there's usually quite a few four stars that don't even make it into the top 300. So this year, there, it's been somewhat of a unique year. We've got two quarterbacks at the top of the list. Justin Fields is number one overall. He signed with Georgia. Trevor Lawrence, a quarterback out of Georgia as well, signed with Clemson. Uh, so it, a unique year in that regard that we've got two quarterbacks at the top and one at number one. Um, but you look down the list, and we've got two five-stars that are uncommitted, Patrick Sertan Jr. out of Florida and Tyson Campbell, his high school teammate. Uh, they both play cornerback, both from the same school, both Ooh. uncommitted. They're going to be announcing their commitment tomorrow with us. So uh, there's, there's a lot still left out there. I think there's a lot that could happen with, uh, with the, what's the guys the, that are announcing tomorrow. What's the guess on the two cornerbacks? Uh, I think Patrick Sertan is going to end up at LSU. Uh, LSU and Alabama have been in the mix. Alabama, I think, made it uh, made it difficult, but I think LSU is going to land him. Uh, Tyson Campbell, his teammate, I, I think Georgia is going to win out there. Miami has made a big push. They got both of them on campus uh, this last weekend, but I, I think probably LSU for Patrick Sertan and then Georgia for Tyson Campbell. I got to tell you, Tom, I was watching the national championship game. We just spent $170 million for a facility up here. I'm watching those athletes from Alabama and Georgia, and I say, what's the use? Okay, what do you, <laughs> what's the use? You watch these guys, they're 
it's it's a completely different game than we're playing up here in the sticks. Yeah, you know, it's it's tough. And you look at there there's a really good stat that we have that um that I'm actually going to be writing about this. The the past 7 national champions have all averaged for the past 4 years before they won the national championship, they averaged the top 10 recruiting class and every single one of them landed at least one class in the top 4 two years before winning the national championship. So those guys are recruiting at a, a an unbelievable pace. Uh, it's happening again this year that it looks like they're just going to reload the guys that they're that they're losing. They're just going to fill them back in with junior college prospects and five stars and guys who can hit the field right away. We saw it in that national championship game. Jalen Hurts, the quarterback, was struggling for, for Alabama. And yes. He in a, a true freshman, and he went out and won it for him. He's a nine-star, so. by the way. I don't care. I don't know how many we have. One last thing. If they actually allow uh, one transfer before you graduate uh, anywhere, A, it's going to ruin the bottom half of uh, big-time football, I think, because these guys will just go steal it. And do they know you'd steal a guy from Appalachian State or something? But, B, do they know what a rat's nest they're going to start for cheating? Yeah, it's a slippery slope, that's for sure. And, you know, I think it's a lot like a lot of the rules that they come out with, that there, there's no – there's no good answer or there's no good solution. And how do you fix it? Because, you know, I look at, I look at right now and, and kids are transferring already at a, at a high rate and there's, there's a penalty for it. So if you don't have a penalty for it, uh, what's going to happen? And, and, you know, a lot of times what we see, what fans don't hear about or see about is that, that first year for any prospect, it could be a five-star guy, it could be a four-star, three-star, whatever there are usually some growing pains and there are usually some transition issues that they go through just like any college kid would. And, and for me, I look at it, if, if you have that and now there's no repercussions, it almost makes it easier for that first year player or whoever to say, you know what, I could just go transfer someone else. I'm not happy here. I'm not going to stick this thing out. I'm just going to leave. So if that happens, I definitely think that we're we're in for uh, we're in for some a, a different kind of circus outside of a, a recruiting circus that coaches are now going to have to to deal with roster management in a completely different way. So I'm I'm interested to see how that all plays out. Tom, thank you very much for your time, sir. Yep, have a good day. All right, Tom Van Herney, uh, college football recruiting uh, expert for ESPN. There's a signing date tomorrow, but it's not nearly as big as it used to be in February, that's for sure. Here is John Hyde with a sports update. Thank you, Patrick. This update sponsored by Exergen Temporal Scanner Thermometer. A bad cold and flu season is upon us. The main difference between them is the flu brings a fever. Be prepared with the Exergen Temporal Scanner Thermometer, backed by more than 70 clinical studies. Gophers host Nebraska tonight. Gophers 14 and 11 overall, 3 and 9 in the Big Ten. Amir Coffey still, uh, he's still got that shoulder injury listed as day to day, but uh, there are rumors, let's call them, that he will not be playing in the game this evening. Uh, Gopher freshman Isaiah Washington named Big Ten Freshman of the Week after averaging 20.5 points, 5 assists, 3.5 rebounds, and shooting 55% from the field in those losses at Iowa and Michigan. Jelly Finger has finally got it rolling, man. <laughs> I still don't understand how Michigan went 12 for 28 at the free, free throw, throw line, line and still won that damn we game We had on a Saturday. strategy.
We had guys going, <clears throat> right when they got ready to yes. shoot. They, they were throwing bricks, man. I said, great free throw defense, and they still didn't win. <laughs> Washington had 26 points in that game in Ann Arbor. Most By the way, Michigan, if they aren't making threes, is not too dangerous. So. Yeah, That's the most points for a Gophers freshman in Big Ten play since Chris Humphreys back in 2004. How many do you have in that game? 26. It's Holy 11 cow. for 16. His last two games have been uh, pretty good. Yep. Wild with a road game uh, tonight before they begin a five-game homestand later on this week. They're in St. Louis tonight to play the Blues on Thursday. They'll kick off those five straight at the Excel Energy Center with a game against Arizona. Vikings' search for an offensive coordinator appears as though it could extend into mid-February. Well, they probably have to wait to get the approval of Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Vikings or wanted. Nick Foles. Yep. Vikings want to talk with Eagles quarterbacks coach John DiFilippo about the job, but they can't do so until 10, uh, 10 days after the season ends for Philadelphia, and that was, of course, on Sunday, so they can't talk to DiFilippo until February 14th. Why, why can't they talk to him? For, I wondered the and, same thing. And, Chris and, already but, asked the, but the Lions can do a little wink-wink deal with Matt Patricia that they probably want to back out of now because of how bad his defense was on Sunday. <laughs> Philly might be enforcing the rules or something because yeah, they don't want to lose the game. Not giving permission. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Vikings, uh, according to uh, ESPN, reportedly are willing to wait to have that conversation. They've already talked to four candidates about the job. That list includes Saints assistant head coach, tight ends coach Dan Campbell, former Seattle offensive coordinator Daryl Bevel, Vikings quarterbacks coach Kevin Stefanski, and Texans quarterbacks coach Sean Ryan. Pat Shermer, the offensive coordinator for the Vikings last season, of course, has moved on. He'll be the head coach for the New York Sean Giants. Ryan isn't the brother we never knew about, is he? <laughs> oh, of Rex and Rob? <laughs> Rex and Rob, is he? He's not the brother we never knew was about. Was he, was he, uh, when, when they were in town, was he around the facility like the other guys were? Who, who? When Buddy was the coach for the Vikings. Because uh, didn't you have a no, story about that? I don't think this brother guy is a brother. No, Jim Ryan and Jim Ryan is the other brother. He's the lawyer. He's the guy that we all know. In this okay, story. yeah. He, he had. He's the older than the two crazy twins. Got it. He was the sane one, except he's the guy that was covering Gopher hockey. I think for the daily and decided that he was going to take the shortcut up at the old uh, hockey building in Duluth and went through the ceiling. And handed on a chair down there and broke oh. ribs. And oh. just, somebody told me he just had to get a new hip because of that fall. Oh, man. Wow. That's why we all reverently called him Spider-Man after that. <laughs> Spider-Man. <for 100> <laughs> killed himself. Uh, Patriots quarterback Malcolm Butler took to Twitter today to refute rumors of possible reasons he didn't play on defense during the Super Bowl. Uh, meanwhile, sources told ESPN that it was known within parts of the team in the days leading up to the game that his role for the game would at least be diminished. Uh, he wrote, today during my four-year career with the Patriots, I've always given it everything I have to play at a high level. I would never do anything to hurt my team's chances of winning a game, including this year's Super Bowl. Uh, during Super Bowl week, I never attended any concert, missed curfew, or participated in any of the ridiculous activities being reported. No they're, recreational drugs either? They're not only false, he said, but hurtful to me and my family. All right. Butler's an unrestricted free agent. A lot of Patriots players liked and or commented on Butler's Instagram post today, including Tom Brady, who wrote, Love you, Malcolm. You are an incredible player and teammate and friend, always with six and, exclamation And points. I don't know why our stupid coach decided to lose the Super Bowl to show you something. Yeah, his replacement didn't play well either, especially no. the first Oh, he was awful. No, he was, the row kid, yeah, he was awful. He He's not. very good at chasing guys down the field. <laughs> yeah. All right, So, guys, wait a minute, you're blaming their loss solely on this? Well, no. It didn't I, help. Well, 
He might have made one play, which would have been more than the, the rest of them. So. I don't know. When he got to the end of the third quarter, Kenny and Philadelphia already had like almost 500 yards of offense. <laughs> you would have thought maybe they would decide hey, to we'll put Malcolm Butler in just to stop the bleeding. I don't know. Now that's stubborn. All yeah. right. Thanks, Johnny. Yep. Players discussed the idea of boycotting in a conference call last week. And, yes, Brody made reference to that uh, possibility in his tweet. But, look, if the players actually boycotted spring training uh, past their mandatory reporting date, they would put themselves in serious exposure. Hot topic right now is why have the veteran free agents not signed as yet in Major League Baseball? There's Buster talking about it. Agents getting very upset. Tom Verducci from Sports Illustrated did a great piece a couple days ago. I tweeted it out. You can find it there. You can just go look up Tom Verducci. But here's what's going on, ladies and gentlemen. You got 10 or 12 teams that are trying to use the Astros-Cubs philosophy philosophy that we're going to tear her down, build her back up. And if we can't win... We're going to lose. We're going to be rotten. And this this has come, the NBA theory has come to baseball. Right. Now, it's much more difficult to win through the draft in baseball. Getting a number one draft pick in baseball compared to basketball is like uh, It's completely different. Yes. But, right now. but to me, here's the biggest thing, and Verducci made this point. The problem is Major League Baseball looks at Albert Pools, and they look at, uh, in the non-steroid era, you give eight-year contracts to 33-year-old guys, yeah. and for you end up paying for a fossil for half the time, right? You So there's plenty of money out there for these free agents, these 31, 32, 33-year guys, but they're three-year contracts. And they have, you know, they're offering three, maybe four. Lorenzo Cain got five at 80. That's uh, that's pretty good. Pitchers, doesn't make any difference. The days of six, seven-year contracts are, uh, for 32-year-olds, are over. Yeah. Uh, because they look at all the research... And and realize that if they give a five year contract, a six year contract to a thirty two year old pitcher, chances you know look at Johan Santana. Thanking us, chances are the last part of that you're going to regret it. And here's the reason: Scott Boris and the other agents for years, for thirty years, were smarter than the guys they were dealing with. Right? Mm-hmm. They were the they were the big brain in the room. Now you're in the room with Harvard and Amherst and Haverford and Trinity, and they have all the research going back. Yeah, I mean the twins. I wrote about this guy in spring uh, when I was down there in January. The twins now have a guy who's basically putting all the analytics together, putting all the research together. And presenting it, Daniel Adler, 31 years old, got a law degree, a degree in a master's degree in commerce, and a, uh, a bachelor's degree in business, all from Harvard. 
and he took two years off. And this guy's brain is so big, he took two years off and got a law degree and a and a master's at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're dealing with, this is who you're dealing with. And, you can, and, they, and they, you know, the guy from Haverford, the guy from Trinity comes to him, and what does he think? And he says, if you give a six-year deal to you, Darvish, we're going to regret it. Well, look give at, him a three-year deal. Look at the look at the contract. Remember remember the Giants gave Barry Zito that huge, sure. what was it a seven-year, hundred. $120 million contract, Giants, whatever, and he was terrible. How there. do you think the Giants got in this hole that they're in now? Well, and you look at... Playing 34-year-olds. So, you know? you know, a lot of the... What, what also is kind of stalling the market is the fact that, you know, the big spenders, the Dodgers, the Yankees, are trying to stay underneath that luxury tax threshold where you Darvish, his camp, had has come out and said, we want to be reunited with the Dodgers, but they don't have the necessary space to fit his salary in. Yeah, but, and the reason you, they don't have that also, is because they have Matt yeah. Kemp on this exorbitant contract sure. that they that, traded for that they got to get rid of. And here's here's the other thing with you. Again, they don't want it. The Twins will pay him $25 million a year right now, but for three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and is he? he's a Boris guy, right? I don't know. Is no, he he's a CAA. Okay, CA. But another big player. But these another... guys want six years at 150, you know, or 130. That those days are over. Now they yeah. might somebody might win, but the, here's the trouble: you're waiting for Boris. He's always won by not by not giving in, not settling for less yeah. than he wants. But there's no lawsuit here. This is being smart. Yeah. This isn't collusion. This is this is. Baseball is now run by guys who have big, big brains. They're smart guys. Well, here's the other thing, too. Is, is I mean, you Darvish is a good pitcher. Yes. But is he, is he, and I understand we're, you know, we're 10 years later, but is he better than what Johan was when, when the Mets gave him? No. That, God, well, he's and, not and nearly not, as good. Not nearly as good. And no. it's, and, and I understand, you know, the economics, the money, there's more money in the pot now. So typically you, you would ask for more now, but still it's just. But baseball ugh. signed names. They wanted names. They were going to sell. They don't worry about selling tickets now because they get the revenue sharing and, and what, they got enough to. And what turned it was when the Yankees made the conscious decision to start to build from within instead of throwing money at their yeah, problems and, with and with it, A-Rod, with Jacoby yes. Ellsbury, with things and, like and that. And, you know, you when could they sign made A-Rod back on. in the day because he was taking steroids. When you, They don't have steroids now. When a franchise no. like that makes the conscious de- decision to rearrange how they operate, that's when you know baseball's going through a drastic change. Well, look at the lineup. The, the Giants ended up with the, what, second-worst record in baseball. Look at the lineup they had in the field. They're all old. Yeah. You can't win old anymore. It's a different game. Without steroid, with the with the steroid era gone, you can't win by look being at, look old. Look at Jake Arrieta. Jake Arrieta's 32, and nobody nobody's going to no, want to give him a six or seven-year contract. Yeah, nobody's going to give him and, that. Take three and 75 and go to spring training. Yeah. You know? It's uh, it's not some big conspiracy. It's people being smart. Uh, we got a bulletin here. Uh, the Twins have added at least one year to all their deal offers to Honestly. Lance Lynn, uh, <laughs> Hugh Darby, Alex, Alex Cobb, Cobb. Jake, Jake Arrieta, Alex Cobb. The deals have all been... Uh, inflated. They're going to sell the farm for Chris Archer now. In the last 20 minutes. (laughs) 
uh, Irv Santana had something uh, wrong with his middle finger on his right hand. He went he successful. Has- he had successful capsular release debridement procedure to his right middle finger in I New York City I hate it today. when that happens. Yep. Uh, so he can't do this like a, anymore. Sounds like a blood clot or something <laughs> right in there. Some kind of a clot when the spin of that curveball or something. Uh, he, he apparently experienced discomfort in his right middle finger last week. Uh, it's something he had dealt with in the past and was reviewed via MRI at the end of the season. This is from Dustin Morris from the Twins. And he'll be out three months, they're estimating. So could that have been the issue in the playoff game against the Yankees, maybe? Uh, could have been. Couldn't throw strikes. That's why he walked the leadoff here. He strikes, got a three-run lead. Threw strikes, uh, threw strikes all season. He didn't throw them there. I think we got our excuse. But anyway, Herb Santana will not be the opening day starter. And let's see, you get him back in May if you're lucky, and then you got to rehab him for two weeks, right? After that, you might get him by June 1st. So, okay, I'd say it's fairly important they go get a starting pitcher now. Yeah, uh, now you might have to go... would you go five? I might have to go five. Would and, you go five uh, for I'd you? I'd have to go five. Our guy Phil Miller just tweeted out something just a moment ago. It's uh, something to monitor. Irvin Santana's contract becomes guaranteed for $14 million in 2019 if he reaches 200 innings this season. Ain't now far happen. more unlikely due to the finger injury. He'll now probably be a free agent at mm-hmm. season's end. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Wouldn't they pick up that option? No. Well, if he pitches great. If he, yeah, if he's okay. If, why yeah, wouldn't they pick, pick up, up that option? option. Yeah. But if he's 8-13, and 13, probably. Probably not. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, but uh, he won't get 200 innings, that's for damn sure. But, uh, yeah, there you go, a little kick in the shins right before uh, spring training comes. Well, that's great news. Mm-hmm. Good for Trevor May, though. He'll, yeah, uh, that's true. They'll say, uh, did instead we... of nursing him back, they might say, uh, let's get you pitching this spring. Did we yeah. figure everything out? With, is Gibson signed, or we still got to go to arbitration? I think they still got to go to arbitration. Oh. They're arguing about 300000 I can't believe they aren't going to settle. Could Berrios be starting opening day? Yeah, yeah he's your number two. Right? Yeah, maybe. Gotta be him. Who else are you gonna run out there? Alberto you know Mejia. You know who's available? The Vanimal. Oh my God! Oh my God. <laughs> we want the, the Vanimal, former opening day. It'll be day thirty-two starter. degrees on opening day again. <laughs> Bring back the Vanimal.